0: This episode of the Goldcast is uh, kind of a two-parter. So um, the first – we Raymond and I actually recorded uh, a Goldcast last week that was all about uh, the MLB scandal really from the perspective of the the 49ers and the Giants. And just – we asked a lot of questions. It was very trolly and hilarious. And, and then the news of Kobe passing really – as it did with everybody it really shook us up and really kind of threw off our entire schedule. We only released one episode last week because it just threw everything off. And so we're actually going to tack that episode on the end of the episode that we're recording tonight. We're recording on Wednesday, January 29th at night at night right now. Uh this episode is uh going to be all about Kobe Bryant. And I think that uh you know, we tend to we tend to stay out of the big national stuff. We try to kind of keep it real San Francisco based and always kind of from the San Francisco perspective. And this situation was too big for us to ignore and we all have something to say, you know, and uh I kind of sick like Will and I we live here in Los Angeles. We're we're right in the thick of it and uh it's it's impossible. It is impossible to ignore this situation. So um, this this episode is dedicated to the Bryant family, all the families that were lost in that helicopter crash, Kobe and his daughter Gigi. And um, this, this episode is dedicated to them. It's not sponsored by them. It's dedicated to them. So um, before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us?
1: You can like us on facebook.com slash the Goldcast, And you can also follow us on Twitter, at the underscore goldcast, and be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of the Gold cast, like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly love to hear from you every single time.
0: Awesome and Raymond, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis and on Instagram at Ray Solis One.
0: Awesome. And Candlestick Will, where can they find you? Easiest way is to find me on Twitter at Candlestick Will. Awesome. And you can find me on Instagram at rudyslees 3 and Twitter at rudyslees 3rd All right. We're going to drop that intro, and then um, we're going to talk some Kobe because he deserves it. Here we go.
2: San Francisco, are you ready?
0: This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host Rudy Salisa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host
1: Raymond Salisa First, baby,
0: and our esteemed co-host Candle Stick
2: Will. Boom!
0: All right, um. I don't even know where to begin, guys. I'm gonna be really honest with you. Um this this is probably the hardest gold cast ever and I think we've had nothing but great episodes. Um I don't really I can never really think of an episode that is like this one where I kinda was dreading it and feeling very nervous and very sad. Uh this is unprecedented. I was really thinking about it and looking back and this is really unprecedented in American sports. I can't think of there isn't a single modern era goat, right? So you've got and and you know and sure this is debatable on other levels and this is not the podcast for that, but you've you got you've got superstars, you have hall of famers and then you have goats. You have the greatest of all times, right? And Kobe for Los Angeles and for the Lakers is a GOAT. And I I put him right up there with Jordan and LeBron, you know, and stats, whatnot. I put him right up there with those two guys. And never in the history of American sports have we had a GOAT so just only a couple years removed from his career pass. I mean, if you think of like some of the major GOATs, most of them are all still here. You've got Tom Brady's here, Joe Montana's here, Michael Jordan's here, Bill Russell's here. These guys are all—Bron is still playing. I mean, these guys are still here. And this guy, only a couple years removed, passes in this—in a way that's so shocking. I I still—here we are three days later, and I cannot accept that it's actually happened. All the buses in Los Angeles, they say R.I.P. Kobe. And so it'll tell you what the what the actual what the actual uh, what the bus route is, and then it flips to RIP Kobe. And I actually took a, a couple pictures of them. This has just impacted this city in a way that I've never seen before. I think this city. I've also Kobe. You know, played his entire career here. He's been he's been here for twenty years. They had it. They watched him grow up from literally a teenager. To a father, to a to a champion, to a father, and now to his passing, and I just there's nothing like this. I can't think of any other city. I mean, we love Joe Montana, but Joe Montana, it's not like he's sitting here saying about how she bleeds red and blue and red and gold and is talking to all the players and is you know going to the games. I mean, he's a he's a figure, but he's very much removed. He played for another team. You know, if anything, I think if if the NFL never called him again to be on another interview, I don't think Joe would actually prefer it. You know, and um, if anything, he avoids the limelight. And LeBron was is never stopped chasing it, and always with the purple and gold as his moniker, as his colors. He there's Magic Johnson's the only other Laker, um, but for this generation, he is the goat. He is their goat, and for so many players, he's a. GOAT. It's amazing. You know, the the. Richard Sherman coming out and saying that the he guarantees a 49er victory. I'm paraphrasing, but he guarantees a 49er victory for Kobe. That he walked off on his Achilles injury because Kobe did. I mean, hearing just the impact that this player has on other players. Bill Belichick came out yesterday and said that his his influence uh, far exceeded his, uh, his actual um, ability as a player. And he said that never in his life... Did he see the Patriots more in awe of an athlete than when Kobe was there talking to him in the locker room? And he just demanded a level of reverence. That was the word he used, a level of reverence that nobody's ever had. And this city, the unique relationship he had with L.A. was so unique. I, I can't think of another athlete in the country that has that with any other team. There's, there's close ones, but not like that. I mean, I think LeBron would have been close. I would say uh, Curry – might be the close with the Bay, but even then he's not San Francisco's, he's the Bay Areas, you know, and um it was just really I, I, I don't know, man. It this I don't know what can be said that hasn't already been said a million times, but this is one of those moments that I'll remember for the rest of my life, where were you when Kobe passed? Like I'll I'll never forget this. It was instantly concrete in my mind. And this was in my opinion, probably the saddest day I've ever personally experienced in sports in terms of just the greater totality of what sports means. This is the saddest day that I've ever seen, the saddest day for the NBA, um, the saddest day for sports for L.A. And, yeah, um,
2: uh, who wants to take the floor? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I was, you know, I when I was uh, in college – I had uh, built a website, and the purpose of it had to do with just learning how to build a website, but once I did, I started making pages I wanted to have, and so one of the pages I created was literally a page of players who had died um, during their careers, and wanting to have kind of a place where I could put information about them when when they were born, when they passed away, Um, so I could have like kind of a tribute page to them, and just kind of going through it, you know, you, the names like Brian Piccolo that Brian's song was based off of that um, anyone from Chicago, you know, obviously knows well. Um, players like Roberto Clemente that everyone knows about, you know, Thurman Munson of the New York Yankees. But then even some players that maybe, you know, uh, not everyone knows unless they were living in that time or played in that era like a Jerome Brown for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, or like a college star like Hank Gathers from Lola Marymount. Or Len Bias, who played at Maryland and was drafted by the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, someone like Derek Thomas, who's a Hall of Famer, um, you know, tragically died um, in 2000. Players like Drazen Petrovich um, dying in a car accident. And Reggie Lewis passing away from the Boston Celtics um, in the 90s. You know, so there's players like that. More recently, players like Sean Taylor of the Washington Redskins um, Jose Fernandez, who everyone in Miami, uh, revered. Um, and then even, uh, recently someone like Tyler Skaggs for the, uh, Anaheim angels. And, you know, with all of those names, even players like Sean Taylor, who was a perennial pro, pro bowler, Ro- Roberto Clemente, who's a hall of famer, Derek Thomas is a hall of famer. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant is just a bigger figure than all of them. Um, he's a bigger name. Uh, more people know who he is. Um, I think had it just been Kobe in a, you know, if he was the only person on the helicopter, if he was flying his own helicopter, um, it would have been, uh, almost as tragic. Um, the fact that nine people died makes it so much harder. The fact that one of them was his, was his daughter, who was only 13 makes it even harder. Um, you know, the, the fact that we, uh, we also lost, uh, John Altabelli, who was, a uh, Uh, incredible junior college coach in baseball just kind of hits just the sports world even that much more and the fact that his daughter and and wife was on the were on the helicopter as well Um, you know just to lose nine people uh, without any chance of survival um, so quickly like that it's it doesn't give you a chance to process it you know Um, a much less uh, paid attention to death this week is former Minnesota Viking defensive end Chris Dolman died from a disease that he's had. And uh, yeah. yeah I saw I that about that one. And um, and you know, so you know, people weren't really paying attention to that, but people who knew the situation knew that it was coming because he had a disease that was very aggressive. And that being said, you know, even when you have time to process a death, it doesn't make the loss any easier nobody had time to process this you know you wake up in the morning and you look at your phone and TMZ says Kobe Bryant died and every single person who's been interviewed over the last few days has said I thought it was you know I thought it was uh, I thought it wasn't true and part of the reason people thought it wasn't true is because it's it just too fast it the, to Assume that someone's alive and happy and, and healthy, and then all of a sudden they're gone. It's just it's too hard for our brains to comprehend. And um, you know, with every person that I mentioned, um, bef- you know, on that on that list of athletes, I'm leaving off a lot of of athletes that we've lost over the years um, during their playing careers. You know, Kobe obviously has been retired, but um, you know. Whoever it is, you know whether it was a Daryl Kyle or a Eric Turner, you know, there's a lot of uh, names we can mention. But you know, people knew Kobe in all walks of life. You know, to be a L.A. Laker for 20 years is different than playing for the Kansas City Chiefs for a decade, or playing for the um, the New Jersey Nets for a few years, like Dawson Petrovich did. You know, so it's it's just a bigger amount of of fame and and more people you're just aware of who you are the fact that he won five championships the fact that he's been in our consciousness now since the mid-90s you know there's there's a level to that that's just bigger than everybody else and then you alluded to it uh, Rudy when you mentioned about the other players I mean players have come out and said this was our Jordan this was the guy who we all wanted to be like the only reason we're playing in the NBA is because we saw Kobe Bryant play basketball and said, I want to be like him. Um, you know, they, they wanted to be like Kobe, the people before him wanted to be like Mike and the people before him wanted to be like the doc, you know, the doctor, you know, it's just, there's always one guy that people gravitate to. And there's kids today that, you know, I want to be like LeBron or I want to be like Steph. I mean, the, the number of athletes that have that kind of pull, it's one or two guys at a time, you know, and Kobe was one of those guys. Um, you know every other person i mentioned you know outside of maybe roberto clemente none of these guys on that list had that kind of gravity where you know you know someone like clemente pretty much every latin player wanted to be like clemente but you know when you look at um what is uh what we're seeing with all the outpouring of of love and heartbreak um, about kobe and and what what he meant to people it's 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 just something that's never going to stop hurting. It's going to hurt differently or less maybe over time, but it's not going to stop hurting. And I think the biggest reason for that is not just because of the unfulfilled life we thought Kobe was about to have, but the unfulfilled life that Gianna was, was about to have. Um, that she was going to more than likely end up playing at UConn. She was more than likely going to end up in the WNBA. And who knows what else – have happened in her life um, and with Kobe by her side you know what better mentor and coach to have so you know I think feeling like we were all cheated out of that especially the two of them being cheated out of that opportunity um, you know is just heartbreaking and then to know that there's seven other people on that f- flight that um, were cheated as well it's just it's just something that's never it's never going to be easy to talk about it's never going to be easy um to move on from and in some ways you don't want to move on from it because you want to remember them
0: agreed raymond what are what are your thoughts
1: um it's uh, it's really kind of hard to articulate because uh you know, death is not an easy thing to deal with on any level. I lost a friend uh, last Friday who accidentally fell downstairs and broke his neck. And so I was with his wife over the weekend. So it was just kind of a it was a tough weekend overall. Um, I found out about Kobe first. And then the uh, very next day, or that same day, I believe, uh, I found out about my friend. And so it's just been kind of a little bit of a emotional weekend for me. You know, and I know a lot of people, you know, Candlestick Will, I love how you mentioned the other families because I feel like um, it's, for a lot of people, it's been easy to kind of, you know, unintentionally gloss over them. You know, I know there was was a, a mom and a daughter and the, the Altabelli family, as you mes- mentioned, the Chester family, the Mauser family, the pilot, Zobian. Is, that's his last, they're all last names. But um those uh those all um those all sting too. You know, I don't I don't know those people as well as I obviously followed Kobe's career as as most of us did. But, you know, for me I like to kind of spend moments like thinking of the good parts. You know, that's how I kind of treated death ever since, you know, uh, Rudy, ever since uh, long ago when we were younger. We read that uh, Robert Stack, the original host for uh, Unsolved Mysteries, the the crime show back in the day when he had on his will, he had a written request that uh, everyone who knew him was supposed to get together and have a huge party. He didn't want a traditional funeral. And ever since I learned of that, I've always been kind of, I've always treated, tried to treat death in the same manner, whether it's my own fam, our own family or friends or, you know, uh, national icons, musicians, actors, those kinds of people. So I've always kind of just like, all right, well, how can I remember this person in a positive light, you know, despite the tragedy, which is obviously really hard to not think of. But to me, like when I think of Kobe Bryant, I think of the guy who spent his whole career idolizing Jordan and really trying to maximize his potential and make his stamp in the NBA in a similar vein. You know, that was always the impression I got that he was really on a mission to kind of like, hey, I want to make an impression in the NBA the same way Michael Jordan did. And to be honest, you know, Ring number aside, Kobe certainly did that and was certainly doing that outside of his career. You know, Jordan just kind of quietly owns another team and does interviews here and there, but he's not necessarily the same icon as he was when he was playing, whereas Kobe was making these giant strides outside of life after basketball, not only with his family, but also in his own personal creative endeavors. You know, he had won an Oscar. I thought that was amazing to see that the only other person i know that i appreciated and respected as much to do something like that was uh the hip-hop artist common who also won an academy award for uh his work uh doing music i forget which film but um that that was the uh, yes thank you that was uh that was pretty awesome too so i i really admire his his ability to kind of keep that same focus and that same pursuit of success and achievement going after the sport where you know I don't I didn't necessarily see that one from Jordan and there's you know I don't necessarily want to take away anything from Jordan but you know to me the impression I got was that Jordan really poured all of that into his playing career and Kobe seemed to also pour that into his playing career and also poured that into his life and his family. Not to say that Jordan doesn't have that with his family. You know, he's got a family too and he's still very much involved in the NBA and, you know, does little things here. But and there then. was a visibility to yes, what Kobe was. was doing. There was, he was, you know, he was clearly, he, a thirst for knowledge and always wanted to learn new things and try new things and, you know, challenge himself with, you know, new, just new adventures, whether that was with his family or that was with his investments or in the creative side of himself. So that stuff, I think that stuff resonates with a lot of people because it's inspiring. And it's, we, you know, some people like to, some people get offended or bothered at the fact that people get so, so hurt or bothered when a national icon passes away. But part of the reason why we are affected the way we are is because we look up to these people and we, are creating our own stamp in our own lives. And a lot of that motivation is you know, derived from, from their pursuit and their motivation in their lives and drawing from them and, and taking little bits of, of their little formula and incorporate it into our own life formula and, and personal achievement and success. So that, you know, that's one of the reasons why we hear about it a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so I know sometimes people get irritated with that but uh, it's not idolization so much. A lot of times, it's just you know appreciating someone's ability to achieve in life, and also wanting to and being inspired by that within your own life. And that's uh, that's a really big deal, and and that's important. And that's why we spend you know a lot of time remembering and respecting and talking so positively about people that. You know, especially in this case, because it was so tragic and abrupt and and so sudden, and nobody saw it coming. It wasn't like he lived a long life and he was eighty five and his kids were all grown up. You know, now the rest of his family has to go on without him. That sucks. I can't imagine that. I mean, Candlestick, will you're a father yourself? You know, I can't imagine how how this has kind of hit you from that angle. Because I'm not a father. You know, I, I'm an uncle and a and a, but it's a different it's a different ball game. So you know that. But but to me. That's uh, that's kind of what what it meant to me. Like I, I saw it and it was sad. And now I'm just kind of trying to view it in, you know, remembering all of the amazing things that he did and was doing and also how, how that is inspiring to my own life. Because I think if I knew him personally, that's probably what he would want me to do.
0: It's funny you say that uh, because on Monday I got up a- and I, was, I, I mean, I watched, I, it's one of the few times, I don't really watch the news, I watched the news the entire day. I heard about it m- minutes after I think it was reported, I think it was reported around 11, because I heard it right at around 11, like every Twitter, I went on to Twitter and everything had been three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, it had just been released.
1: Yeah, it was my Bleacher report uh, that came in, or, or yeah. Yahoo Sports, I can't remember.
0: And... Uh, I, uh, yeah, and I watched it all day long, all day long. And uh, on Monday, I started watching it again. And I mean, the whole thing, I I cried on and off all Sunday and Monday morning. And then finally, I was like, I got to stop. And I thought about this. I said, you know what Kobe would do right now? He He would have taken the day to mourn, which I did on Sunday. Then he would get up off his ass and he'd get back to work because he's got a life to lead. And and it's not going to be led here. He'd get up and get back to work because that's what that's what Kobe would have done. And so I got up and I started getting back to work on our gold cast and I edited all day and I and that's what I did. And um, there was if we're going back, I I kind of like what you said. I actually looked this up because I was just interested. I looked up the definition of the black mamba as a snake, and it says it, this is from Wikipedia. It says. The black mamba is a species of extremely venomous snake, a member of the Alapidae, uh, I think is how you say it, elapidae, a member of the family elapidae native to parts of sub-Saharan Africa. It is the second longest venomous snake ven- venomous snake after the king cobra. Mature specimens generally exceed 6 feet 7 inches uh, and can grow to 9 feet 10 inches, although 14 feet have been reported. It says here, and this reminds me of Kobe. The species is both terrestrial, ground living, and uh, arboreal, tree living. And I go, well, Kobe, Kobe was as comfortable uh, dribbling, dribbling through the defense as he was dunking the basketball. Uh, it inhabits savanna, woodland, rocky slopes, and in some regions, dense forest. And I was like, that's, that's pretty badass. It goes in a threat display. The black mamba usually opens its inky black mouth, spreads its narrow neck flap, and sometimes hisses. It is capable of striking at considerable range and may deliver a series of bites in rapid succession. Uh, Its venom is primarily composed of neurotoxins that often induce symptoms within 10 minutes and is frequently fatal unless anti-venom is administered. Despite its reputation as a formidable and highly aggressive species... The Black Mamba attacks humans only if it is threatened or cornered. So uh, I was. That's true. <laughs> that last part definitely isn't. I was thinking back to just uh, part of my language, how fucking badass Kobe was to watch to play. And one of the things that I loved about him was that he was just a killer. And, and and he didn't always he didn't always succeed, but like Jordan he didn't always succeed, but you're down by eight you got thirty seconds left in, in the in the game. I want only one of two players of the big three if we go Kobe Jordan braun, I want Kobe or Jordan you know and and uh the, those are the those are the two guys It's Kobe and Jordan one of those guys is who I want to have the ball with thirty seconds left down by eight i I want one of those two guys with the ball because I believe they're gonna get us there. Uh, But what were you going to say, Candlestick Will?
2: Well, no, I was, uh, I think when we, you know, a lot of times, especially when it happens like this, where, you know, someone passes away, you know, suddenly or tragically, you know, we tend to try to put as, as positive a spin on, on things as possible sometimes. But, you know, the reality is, is that a lot of people looked at Kobe on the court as an asshole and it's because he was, and it was, he wasn't trying not to be, he was trying to be an asshole. He was trying to to kick everyone's ass he was trying he was trying to stomp on your throat if you showed weakness and he was trying to beat you and I think one of the things that I've taken from people's uh, conversations the last few days um, online and, and just kind of how people have shared their their feelings about Kobe is that at the end of the day he was a guy who went after greatness for 20 years in the NBA with the kind of, you know, motivation and the kind of desire you would hope your favorite player has. And we really hadn't seen that since Jordan. And we were pretty much seeing it with Curry. But even with that, I mean, Kobe and Michael were so maniacal when it came to you know, the, the stories you hear about, you know, getting up at 5 a.m. or never sleeping, or, you know, the game's over and go, go hit up the gym and hit 200 more shots. And, you know, it, like just the way that they would put so much time and effort into their craft. And anything they did, they were going to be super competitive. I mean, Kobe was on the All the Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, and um, I was listening to it. Uh, a couple days ago, um, which was so much harder to listen to, you know, considering that he had just passed away. But, you know, he was on that podcast talking about how, you know, him and Jordan were very similar in that if they were going to go compete for something, they were going to compete until they won. And he, he, he said on that podcast that the only difference between him and Michael was that if it's something he's not good at, he probably wouldn't, you know, agree to do it in the first place. But if it's something he's good at, he's gonna have just as much of a desire to beat you and and do whatever it takes, you know, to win. And uh, Bob Myers from the of the Warriors had told a story about how he was an extra on a commercial shoot because he was one of the uh, one of his agents at the time, and uh, they were playing a game of horse before the shoot started, and Bob Myers was winning, um, and only had only had one more letter. To get Kobe, and they were like, "All right, Kobe, we're ready for you." And he's like, "Hold on, I got to win this game first, you know." And Bob Myers is like, "Dude, just go do the do the shoot." And he's like, "No, no, we're gonna finish. I got to beat you, you know." And it's just like so. Um, and and then of course he came back and won. So it's you know it's like when you think about whoever is listening to us right now, if you picture your your current favorite athlete, do they work as hard as Kobe? And the answer is no. And that's unfortunate, you know, because that's the reality. in pro sports especially, once you reach the mountaintop, it's hard to also then, once you get there, to continue to give every single ounce of effort every single day because you, you realize that's actually not very healthy. And we're, we've, we've heard stories and we, we saw it in real time of Kobe, you know, getting injured and then just playing on the injury because whatever, I, I got I to win this game. And playing, you know, half a season hurt or entire seasons hurt and trying to fight through injuries. And, you know, so for any slander he's ever gotten from people or anyone who says that, you know, other players are better than him, you know, whether it's, you know, Jordan or Magic or, or LeBron or whoever, it's like, you know what, he was a legend for a lot of different reasons, but he's he's one of the all-time greats. And if you put him in the top ten, or you put him in the top fifteen, or you put him in the top twenty, whatever you're doing, you're putting him with only amazing people. You're, you know, it's if, if you think that you know Jerry West was better, it's like whether you're right or wrong is irrelevant. He, the, he belongs in the conversation. And I think the fact that no matter what viewpoint you had of him, if you saw him play, and a lot of people, you know, that are, you know, were a lot younger, maybe didn't even get a chance to really see him play. But regardless, he was one of the all-time greats. And if people want to continue to debate, you know, who's better, him or Jordan, who's better, him or LeBron, it's like, you know, you can have those conversations. But the fact that you're not having those conversations about a lot of other players that played when he played, but you're always bringing Kobe's name up when you talk about those other elite players is the most important part of that conversation you know, when, whenever I've had a conversation with someone online about, you know, who the all-time great greats are in the NBA, Kobe's in my top 10, but I think I have him like 10th. Um, you know, I have Duncan ahead of him. I have Larry Bird and Magic ahead of him, you know, um, and I have Jordan and LeBron ahead of him, but I have him in my top 10 of all time. So, you know, it's not slander against Kobe Bryant because he deserves to be there. His five rings are a big reason he deserves to be there, but his 20 years of Playing the absolute peak of his powers, as as much as he could possibly give. If you can't respect that, I don't. You know, I mean, I was a Warrior fan, so I hated watching Kobe kick my team's ass every year. But you you have to you have to learn to respect that, otherwise, what what are you doing? So, um, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways uh, for me as far as Kobe the player. the The other part of it, and uh, Ray, you you know, alluded to it with asking me about you know how I deal with this with, with my own son. And, you know, the fact that he was with his daughter doing what he wanted to do and doing what he loved and he was helping her reach her goals. I mean, you know, we're all going to, we're all going to be gone at some point in this world. That's the only, one of the only guarantees, right? Death taxes, you know, this it's like one of the only guarantees we got, okay. right? So, um, but, you know, you, you, you gotta, you, you your kids gotta outlive you, right? Like that's, one of the first rules of a family is you, you never want to see that happen. So, you know, I just, I my heart breaks for Vanessa. My heart breaks for, uh, for Gigi's sisters and, and what they're going through because, you know, she didn't get to live her life. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd give my life up in a heartbeat if it meant my son got to live longer, you know, and he's four. But, you know, I already already have that in my head, that in my heart, that, you know, my son's everything to me. And my wife and him are, are you know, if, that if i if everyone else went away but they were still here then i'd still have something and if i lost both of them then it just it'd it'd break my heart every day um so you know i i i'll I'll never know what vanessa's going through because i didn't know kobe personally i didn't know Gigi personally so even if i had a similar situation i wouldn't know exactly what she's going through but i mean it it doesn't get worse than having to um say goodbye to a to a, a son or a daughter um you know that's that's the ultimate pain, but um, you know that's that's the part that's going to make it really hard for me to ever um, look at this and not just be completely gut you know gut-wrenched about what happened um, because it just it what just that's just not fair. You know, um, people that say everything happens for a reason um, that this these are the kind of moments that I have a really hard time with that statement. Um, I do believe that we can learn from everything that happens and that everything that happens can give us an opportunity f- to learn from and, and grow from. But the idea that everything happens for a reason makes makes, makes, makes me sick to my stomach sometimes when tragedies like this happen.
0: I agree with that. I absolutely do. Um I think that's probably his most lasting legacy is what you really touched on there, Candlestick Will, is this idea that the uh, the mamba mentality quote unquote that he he loved to talk about this idea of pushing and striving and working harder than anyone else to be the absolute best i think that i think there's a lot of good to that mentality and i think that's i think if anything taking a piece of that mentality and applying it to whatever you do is probably the best way to honor kobe's memory and it's probably the best way to uh to allow him to live on is to, to you know you don't have to go the full Mamba because very few people can and that's why there's only one Kobe uh, but but taking this idea of the Mamba mentality and just taking a piece of that and applying it to what you're chasing applying that that relentlessness a, a sense of that relentlessness a sense of that just that endless desire to succeed at what you want I think that's really healthy and I think if anything that's probably the one thing that Kobe seems to have just somehow, you know, uh, so many men wanted to be him and wanted to be like him, you know, like it really impacted me when Sherman said I walked off on my Achilles, torn Achilles because Kobe did. I was like, that was blown away. Uh, Patrick Mahomes said that he watches Kobe clips before the game to pump him up. And it's just like his influence spreads far beyond just hoops and far beyond the NBA and and uh, as we've all kind of mentioned, for as as terrifying and as brutal as he was on on the on the uh, on the court, all it ever seemed to do was just really garner a, just a, a sense of reverence and respect from his peers, from his rivals, from. T- players from other sports. I mean, you—they all—you you, know—they showed a lot of uh, uh, soccer teams over in Europe taking moments of silence for Kobe the day after on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, clearly, his impact as his his psychological and philosophical impact as a player feels like it stretches far beyond the five rigs he achieved, and that's that's pretty mind blowing. It's really, really mind blowing to see that that how many players. You know I've tried to take that piece of him and tried to apply it to their own competitive spirit, to their own training to their own handling of their prospective sports and um respective sports and it's just very impressive and uh it it is and it's um it's really sad it's really sad that Kobe is gone and um I heard someone say that I thought was really great, you know he was the type of player that could incite anger. Hatred, love—you know—he—he could—he could incite all of that out of sports fans, even from his own, even from his own fan base. Um, I grew up loving the Kobe Lakers teams, loved them. I loved them. Um, you know, our our growing up as a kid, we were always kind of a two-team household. We we rooted for the Warriors during the regular season, then we root for the Lakers in the post because the Warriors. You know, there many, many years they wouldn't get there when I was very young. And, uh, you know, like uh, my f- father was really captured by the Lakers-Celtics rivalry of the 80s. I have memories of Distant now, but I have memories of him watching those games and, and just being really into it and enjoying them. And uh, that was kind of my first introduction to basketball was through the Lakers and the Celtics. And uh, Co- Kobe was special and it you know he was really kind of creating the second act raymond you and i were talking earlier about how he was you know he he'd really he really was successfully rebranding himself after not and we use that term i i don't necessarily think he was thinking of it in that terms but he really had turned into this father that was just so proud of his daughter of gigi and so proud of who she was becoming and i you know i've watched some of the interviews and and he's just literally a dorky pumped up dad he was talking about this Tournament she was at, and how she was at the free throw line, and and that the whole stadium stopped. It kind of sounded like there were multiple games going on at the same time. I don't know how big this venue was. I'd never heard of anything like that. But he said that the the whole audience stopped, and when she was at the free throw line, you know, if she made the two free throws, they'd win the game. If not, they'd lose. All the cameras were on her. The phones are clicking. Everyone's watching. And Kobe wanted to take a timeout. He wanted to take a timeout. To talk to her and go, hey, okay, you know, you know, give her some advice on, on how to deal with the moment. But he decided, he looked around and he's like, you know what, I'm going I'm to take a step back. I think he was on the Jimmy Kimmel show talking about this. He's like, I'm going to just see how she does. And then she makes both baskets, they win the game, and he's pumping his fist and he's talking and the, the audience cheers. And I was like, he's just a dorky dad in this clip. And it, I mean, it, it it made me cry more to be honest. I was like, just to think about the, as you mentioned, the loss of his daughter. And he really, this second act like Raymond, you said with the Oscar, you know, we're never going to know now. And I have no doubt that we weren't even remotely done seeing what the next level of Kobe was going to be. And, you know, and, and and through his daughter, it would, would not have surprised me at all. If she's Kobe too, on the on the on the court you know maybe she's the first girl that dunks all the time who knows um but unfortunately that's all gone and uh but it is really sad that that uh kobe is gone because um love him hate him you his his determination to succeed was undeniable and awe-inspiring and just inspiring and i think that uh you know a little piece of a little piece of mama mentality never hurt anybody trying to achieve a dream. Uh Ray, do you have any final thoughts, anything to say?
1: Just that uh, he will meet, he will be missed, but uh, his legacy lives on and not only through what he's accomplished, but also what uh his, also through his, you know, the family that did survive.
0: That's a great that's a great point. And um I have no doubt that they will uh they will they will move on to achieve things as well because you know that this will be used as a catalyst for, for more great things from the Bryant family. Candlestick Will, any final thoughts?
2: Yeah, just a couple. I mean, um you had mentioned uh before um when when you, when you were talking about just kind of everything that was going on, how you kinda had to <laughs> act like Kobe and you know kind of get out of your own way and your own sadness and say hey if 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 I'm if you know if Kobe was here he would just get up and and go and and I I would say that while that mama mentality is is a real thing and it's certainly a way of approaching things that as human beings we have to be cognizant of the fact that just because that's Kobe's approach. It doesn't mean that we can handle that. You know, I think a lot of a lot of players were playing games they shouldn't have been playing these last couple days because they were being kind of forced to, and they really could have used the games being postponed. And we saw a lot of players kind of play over their heads and you know have an amazing scoring nights and be able to accomplish a lot of things. And so that that sometimes will happen when when tragedy strikes but you know the mental health side of things is you know while we all want to have that mamba mentality you know we also need to be very careful of how we approach our daily lives and be really um careful about our mental health because it's it, it's such a fragile thing and when we're dealing with tragedy you know it, it really is um something we have to be more careful of sometimes um, so, you know, this week, I think people are more aware of when they see people like Shaq, you know, breaking down and they see players breaking down like a Larry Nance or a Kyrie Irving, you know, on the court, you know, because they were, you know, missing their friend and James Harden and Chris Paul and others, you know, sit out a game because of personal reasons, which obviously was they didn't want to play um, because of what happened with Kobe. You know, it's just... Everyone grieves differently, and we have to allow space for these players to grieve, um, and give them that opportunity, and and give ourselves an opportunity to grieve, you know. And when we're ready, yeah, have that Mamba mentality, but we might not we might not all be ready yet. And the other the other thing I would say um, is if we want to keep Kobe and Gianna in our hearts, in our minds, then we have to be more willing to invest in women's sports because that would be the best legacy for Kobe and Gianna is to lift up the women that are still around and the women that are still here um, that need our support as sports fanatics and sports fans is to realize that not just the WNBA, but just women's sports in general, the U S Olympic soccer team and, and all these different uh, female athletes out there, you know, from Serena Williams to the high school girl that no one knows about, um, that there's some amazingly talented women out there in a lot of different sports that people don't talk about and don't get anywhere near the attention that, you know, some of these guys in the in the NBA that don't deserve time, like an Alex Caruso, um, compared to some of the amazing talents of a uh, Diana Tarasi or someone like that. Um that we need to invest in female sports and women's sports because that's what Kobe would have wanted. Um so if we want to take that mom of mentality, you know, that's kind of an, an area of sports that we need to address more and, and put more time and effort into and money into. Well said. Very
0: well said. Yep, very well said. Agreed, Ray. Very, very well said. Um Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, guys. This was a great show, a really, really good show. Um, Thank you for listening, and um, our condolences to all the families whose lives were lost in that helicopter crash, all the families who who now must live on and carry on without their loved ones. I can't even imagine what a tragedy like this feels for them. Whatever we are feeling, it is a thousand times worse. And... um, we're gonna wrap this up and then we're we're going to uh we're gonna close this down and we're gonna end with the uh the uh cheating MLB, the, the cheating Astro scandal that uh has been sweeping the MLB. It's a much lighter conversation between Raymond and I that we had last week, probably the trolliest gold cast of all time. Uh so let's uh let's move on to a positive note and uh that episode's coming up right now. For Many of our 49ers fans who maybe are knee-deep and maybe only follow baseball casually or, you know, only check in after the All-Star break or don't even follow MLB and they're like, what is this story all about? Essentially what had happened was the Astros had developed a system for stealing the catcher's signs. And beyond that, apparently they were using video technology to record and capture the signs they were using. So there was a monitor in the dugout. They would see exactly the signs the catcher gives to the pitcher. For those not that familiar, the uh, catchers and pitchers communicate on what the pitch is going to be before the pitch is thrown. They decide together, and therefore the catcher knows where the ball is going and everyone understands. The offense, the, obviously the batter who's facing the pitcher cannot see the signs being directed to the pitcher. Now, they used, uh video technology. They were, there was a small monitor. And then when certain pitches were coming up, there would be, uh, sounds that they would do, sounds that they would do that they would bang they would bang on a drum and has a low a bang on a trash can and it could give this low booming sound. But the way they would bang on the drum would then alert the batter as to what type of pitch was going their way. And some people say that this is why the Nationals or the Nationals were able to beat the Astros this in this past World Series is because they were had been clued into that that the Astros were stealing signs and they actually used they actually changed their signs every game even per pitcher to avoid having them avoid confusing the Astros not allowing them to do this but in the 2017 World Series where the Astros and Dodgers went 7 games that series is one where apparently the Astros were using stolen signs to get an edge on the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, Raymond, why don't you put your two cents on this? This has been kind of crazy. So, I mean, I mean, that's just the start of the scandal. Then what happens is MLB finds out, fires all the managers. I mean, even, even managers that came out of that camp to other teams, Red Sox, Mets. And now we have a situation we have a situation where the reason the players weren't punished is cuz the players were actually the MLB and the the union, the MLB Players Union basically came to an agreement and they were like we will you 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 can we will we will the MLB said we will give you immunity if you tell us everything you did. You will not receive any punishment. So basically all the front office people were fired as a result of this. Some people have claimed that the World Series should be stripped from the 2017 victory over the uh, dumbass Los Angeles Dodgers? Some people say it doesn't matter. Some people have even said, you know, all the teams are cheating. They were just cheating better than most. Where do you land on this? And in particular on that 27 World Series, let me ask you a question. I want to know where you land on it. And then I want to know, should the 2017 World Series be stripped from the Astros? The Those two things. But first, just your overall opinion about this entire situation.
1: One of the questions that I don't hear a lot of people asking is why why did Mike Fears or Fires, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but why did he reveal it when he did? Like is it because they lost the World Series and they didn't retain him? Like I don't get it. He's got a ring. So he was part of the team in 2017, so why did he choose now to blow the whistle on that like what did he have to gain what, what was with that
0: there's got to be bad blood
1: right it's something it's, it's something bad blood. you know him and the childish or you know however you want to phrase it It seems childish to me because it's like wait a minute if you were part of this well mike fires is a pitcher so you know you could only uh, i don't know who specifically was deciphering the calls you know, I don't know if that was another catcher and a pitcher tandem that was doing that. There's some details that are still missing that haven't been revealed. So I don't know if there was a rotation of players. You know, the only people that can decipher Steins are other hitters, catchers would seem to be the best, uh, the best person to help decipher that, and of course other pitchers. Those would be the two best outside of batters. In fact, they'd be more qualified to to do the decoding process than the batters would be and then they would just relay the pitches to the batters. But I'm just curious why Mike even did that. You know, I, I know Pedro Martinez, former Hall of Fame pitcher for the Boston Red Sox came out and said like, "Hey, if if he was to do it when he was playing for the Astros, then he w- I would say, this is a quote, I would say Mike Fires has guts, but to go and do it after you leave the Houston Astros because they don't have you anymore, that doesn't show me anything. You're just a bad teammate." That's kind of what he said, mm. and you know, it's like if you tell me, I think this is an, another. Is quote this that like he a says, stitches
0: get stitches kind of thing? Something like
1: that. Like he went off. There's a there's a lot more quotes to it, but that was kind of the the main one that that came out to me. But there's a lot more that he said. That you know, if you guys want to look it up, you can look it up. Just look up Pedro Martinez. You know, slams Mike fires for blowing the whistle. It's hard to know. It's it's hard to say like that. The pitch like they won a championship. So, the pit the the stee, sign stealing obviously assisted in that regard. But the Dodgers still pushed it to seven games. So it yeah, wasn't they still won like,
0: three games.
1: Yeah, it's and by the way, they won games in Houston. So this this what you know they they won I think game three in Houston. They they Here, no, let me, I'm sorry, they lost the games. game three.
0: Let me, I'll go through all the games for you. So, game one is in... So, L.A. has home field advantage. Game one, 3-1 right. th- in favor of the Dodgers. Okay? Game two, 6-7 in favor of the Astros. Then
1: and, they we... can't, and they can't... From what I understand, they can't cheat away. They can only cheat at home because of the way the cameras are positioned at, at their home
0: field. There you go. So, then, game three, they're in... Uh, they're in Houston. they win five to three. Game four still in Houston. Dodgers win six to two. Game five, Dodgers losing a heartbreaker. Astros win 13 to twelve in the tenth inning. Maybe the Dodgers are still in science too. you know, they were kind of accused of that as well. Uh, next one, game six, they're back in LA. Dodgers win three to one. Game seven, Astros win five to one they destroy in la on the road la on the road so there it is and right and
1: the videos that you showed me both of them um they're all they're home games
0: so let me ask you a question let me ask you a question if you're a dodgers fan honestly let's say this was the giants and the astros do you feel like the world series is stolen from you
1: If I was a Giants fan, I would feel cheated. At the same time, you know, because I don't have a dog in the race, I don't have that biasy going into this conversation because the team I hate, even, and even then, the team I hate out of these two teams, because I actually like the Astros, but the team I hate is the one that lost. So I'm, like, happy about that, but I'm also like, but, you know, it wasn't legitimate, but, however, when I look at the forest outside of the trees to me this was not a runaway success cheating scam and i don't know how often they were using it you know i, I don't know how much it contributed to the 100 plus games that they had been winning in the years up to this win because they had won like 100 games 300 games or more in three straight years or something like that but they only came away with this one championship i think they won 100 games the last season too i believe so yeah. Um so six, 17 18 and 19. I think they won 100 games. So and they didn't even they didn't make it to the World Series. You know? So it's like there's some factors involved there as to why I kind of feel that it makes sense to not strip them of the title because A it wasn't a runaway success cheating scam. B it didn't help them win in 2019. Uh C it 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 still you know, the the series still went to seven games and they could only do it at home. And they still lost at home. At least one game they lost at home. And the, the final game they won on the road where they didn't have cheating. But who knows? Perhaps, uh, a, you know, you could also play devil's advocate. Like if the Dodgers didn't change their signs, which, by the way, most teams change their signs on a regular basis because of that fear. Even before this scandal, that was something that most teams do... They change it from team to team to team, and in a World Series, I would imagine you change it. You would also change it too on the off days and the travel days. Who knows? I, I, it's it's hard to know for sure unless somebody says that. But I think there's too much inconsistency with that particular method of cheating, where it wasn't foolproof, and perhaps it gave them an edge in certain time Because still, the batter still has to make still has to make good contact and get the ball on the plate, not just, but even then it's still a 30, you know, sub 30% chance that they're going to do that. Not only within the fundamental structure of baseball probability, but also within the context of them also trying to cheat too. It's still the same rules apply. It's not like the hitting percentage gets better. If you know the pitch, you still have to hit that pitch. You know, even, even when batters, know what pitch is coming based on the scouting reports and they you know they make contact with the ball they're still susceptible to ground balls they're still susceptible to fly balls because it's just really hard to put the ball in play when you've got nine nine guys you know uh, in the field uh, that take up majority of all of the the open lanes that the ball can land on so there's just there's just a lot to me i don't think you take the title from houston but I do think the penalty, the penalties that have come thus far, are not enough. I think some players have to get penalized too. I think it's good that they got rid of AJ Hinch. I think it's good that they got rid of their GM. I think it's good that uh, what's his name Beltran. Yeah, Carlos Beltran. You know Theo, Theo Beltran. <laughs> I know that he, Theo Beltran. He he got hired to to coach the the manage the Red Sox, and then you know he I guess he was a quote unquote you know. He was heavily involved in the science dealing and he lost his job before even starting his job. So that was nice to see because this was the same, you know, stuck up prick that turned down the Giants or no, that he he played for us for one year, but he was kind of a distant teammate. That was the impression I got.
0: Are you thinking of Alex Cora? No,
1: Carlos Beltran played for us, and Alex Cora was the uh...
0: the manager. Who...
1: Oh wait, no, no, no. Alex Cora went to the Boston. You're right. Alex Cora went to the Red Sox, and Carlos Beltran went to the to Mets. the Mets. Yeah, but they both lost their jobs. Yeah, it was the point I was getting to. So, and those were the, I think those are wise too, because hey, if if Carlos Beltran was a heavy, you know, heavy part of this scam, then For sure, that could have easily been part of the Red Sox championship one, where they won one hundred and eight games, and won the title last year—or not uh, last year, but uh, the year before.
0: Yeah, it's okay. So it's really hard. It's really hard to stay. It is hard. It's hard to stay biased, (laughs) unbiased. When I am completely biased, and if this if this happened to us, every Dodger fan would be flipping us off, me like, hey, 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 "Look what happened!" When Dodgers right, they'd
1: talk- they'd they feel justified, even though they didn't win the ring.
0: You know, yeah, no, I'm saying that if this had happened to us, Dodger fans would be like, hey, like, oh, that's great. What, what if it would have felt. That's that, when Dodger fans talk, that's what I hear. Oh, I, I see. Yeah. I, yeah. I hear, <laughs> to to me, to sound. be
1: honest, you know, even before we got on this pod, like, my whole focus has just been around the Astros and all the guys. Like, I'm kind of, to me, I've just been focused on, I don't know how you've been, how you've perceived this, but my perception has been like, okay, what, you know, What does this mean for the Astros? And more importantly, who's the next domino that's going to fall? Because that's what I'm kind of expecting.
0: Well, here's the thing. According to the articles that have come out now, MLB is not going to do anything to the players. They made a deal. They struck a deal where they would have total immunity for complete honesty and um, uh, just complete honesty about what happened. So – I don't think anything's going to happen to the players. People want things, so bad. so
1: they're going to like explain what they did and how they did it, but without consequence.
0: Yeah. So basically, it's a weird deal. Yeah, that was the deal. That was the deal. That because okay, according, <laughs>
1: it's like it's like criminal court where they make a plea deal.
0: It's basically that's what it was—a plea deal. That's exactly what it was. And apparently, because the union was like, if you try and come after these players, we're going to make your life a living nightmare. Like, were they like the union came out and was like, "We're going to protect the MLB players," and then they're like, and they're like, "Okay, well, let's strike a deal." And they're like, "What's the deal?" And they're like, "We'll give you total immunity if, uh, if you let these guys, if these guys just tell us the truth, just be completely open. We want an open door. We want exactly know exactly what happened, you know." So, um, and so then that's that's exactly where we're at with it. So I don't think anything's going to happen to the players. I don't think I don't think anything is going to happen. It's just it is so crazy to me. Now, like I said,
1: well, well, it always functions from the top down with things like this, right? Like, although in the Patriots' case, everyone kept their job. You know, it was just fines and they lost draft picks.
0: Dope. Uh, Yeah, no, you're right, absolutely. So let's go. I want to go back to this, though. Let me let me finish this this train of thought. If the Dodgers, if the Dodgers had, if this was the Giants, and this happened in 2014, to say to the Royals, right? We lose to the Royals. Um, Dodger fans would have no mercy on us. They would not care. They would literally not care. So I don't really care about the Dodgers, but I would probably feel cheated. I'd be like, well, well, our chances are. If
1: you were a Dodger
0: fan, you know, if I was, if I was a Giants, if this had happened to the Giants, I would feel cheated because I go, well, we we lost two of the three games in Houston. Who's to say that if we didn't, we would have even gotten to a game seven? You know, we won one of the games. We still were able to win one with them, but at the same time, the last two and the first two all on the road. So it's not like
1: what about what about what about the reverse? Sorry to interrupt, but what about it for reverse? What if you're an Astros fan? How do you feel about the win? Do you feel legitimate or do you feel does it feel tainted?
0: So let's talk about that. Okay, this is a great question. So let's pretend it comes out uh
1: now the Gi- What if the, the Giants? The, or the, the Giants cheaters? are the cheaters. Gi- Giants <laughs> were
0: stealing signs, and that's how they beat the Kansas City Royals. Right? This—that's how they did it. But Madison Bumgarner's, you know, career-defining series, career-defining moment that literally pro- th- probably thrust him into the Hall of Fame, guaranteed thrust Bruce Bochy in the Hall of Fame, Buster Posey in the Hall of Fame, is gone, because those sons of bitches were stealing signs. Man, that would be a tough place. I would, I would, I would say, okay, so whack. I'm so disappointed in my team, but we still had to beat you on the road. We still had to play four games on the road where we weren't able to steal the signs, <laughs> yeah. right? Isn't that what yeah, I would yeah, say? Yeah. Wouldn't I say that? Yeah. Wouldn't, would you say yeah, that?
1: Uh, uh, assuming, assuming the signs weren't changed at, at those, uh, or assuming the ty- the signs were changed at those uh, on those road games, and that you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, just you couldn't bank on the signs being the same as the ones you deciphered at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just very tricky. You know, and then there were, a couple people were like, Kershaw should come out and say something, shouldn't he? And I'm like, no, he shouldn't. Kershaw has cost he, he up shitty every
1: whether they were cheating or not. You don't have to cheat against Kershaw in the playoffs,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know? been proven every year in the playoffs. Yes, every yes. year. I'm like, yes. no, that's
1: a that's a that's a no brainer. That's that's not even a big brain take. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, no. I was like, no, Kershaw should not. If Kershaw should do exactly what he's done, keep his mouth shut and pretend that nothing of this has ever happened, because. All it's going to do for him is open up a whole can of worms that nobody is interested in dealing with. You're just going to have to deal with uh, everyone very annoyed at at, Kersh- at Kershaw because, yeah, he's failed all the time. But that's probably what I would say. I would say, okay, total bullshit. I'm super pissed at the Giants for doing this. This is super whack. But they still had to play four games on the road where they weren't able to do this. That's what, that's what I would say. What, what would you say? To to which to which part? If the Giants were caught cheating, let's say twenty seventeen against the Royals. Um, if, it's hard because I've never.
1: I'm like I basically have to like imagine it in my head because none of our teams have ever done that because we're 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 legendary without the need of cheating. But I guess you know, if, if, hypothetically speaking, if they were cheating, I would feel kind of it would feel kind of de illegitimate to me it'd be like man it kind of like it's it's on the record books and i see it there and i see three out of five you know rings three three out of five years but that last one man it's it's, you know there i've i would have to put like uh i would have to personally put an asterisk on it not you know it's not like there's there's a real asterisk that's going to be placed on this one in like baseball reference or it should be, you though, know, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Like in, in football reference, there should be like at least one or two asterisks on the Patriots championships. Uh, like one hundred percent, at least. You know, Deflate Gate doesn't didn't seem like it was all that big of an advantage, but Spygate, like filming practices, that's like that's like deep inside baseball. You're gathering there that gives you a huge edge on Sunday. Because of the complexity of football and how many moving parts there are, and to steal, you know, to to know what those concepts are prior to, it, it, you know, because if you know what the whole concepts are, then all you have to do is call the right defenses, or you know, conversely, call the right offensive plays to beat those defensive concepts. Because as a whole, you know, there's there's only so many adjustments that can make. Once the play starts unraveling, the 11 guys are in motion all with their own individual assignments. Then, you know, it's a game of inches, you know, for a reason, because if one person is in the wrong position or if one person is exploited, then that receiver or that running back or that quarterback is able to make a play, and all you need is you know one guy out of your options to make a play on those eleven guys in order for the play to work. So Spygate to me absolutely deserves an asterisk, but that you know that's uh, another cast you have to go to. I don't even know if they if they talk about Spygate on the uh, the Pats the Pats podcast, whatever the, the hell it's the, called.
0: The red, I don't know what it's called. I don't know. Uh uh the uh, the TB12 cast.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it all revolves around Tom Brady. <laughs> the TB12 cast.
0: Yeah, it would be tough. I think you asked even an, a, a far more potent question, which is how would we feel if it was the Giants that were caught? Cheating? Yeah, exactly. That's what a, if
1: you're on the winning side of that?
0: That's a that's a, <laughs> that's a tough question. Let's let's say this. Let's say they go Let's 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 go back in time. Let's go, let's go on. It's going. Let's go on our time machine. Let's uh, let's go back to the good old year of 1995, and it is uh, August. It's the beginning of the preseason for the 1995-96 season, and an article comes out from the worst journalist on the planet, Tim Kawakami, and Tim Kawakami puts out an article. God,
1: that would be, that would be even worse. Yeah, that would... if, if he was the one that broke it. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> and so let's say Tim Kawakami... Oh, by the way, Goldcast Nation, just want to let you know, Tim Kawakami blocked me. Pretty happy
1: because Tim Kamakami is the most insecure writer in sports and he just blocks everybody for any reason. For any,
0: I didn't even insult him. Okay, for the record all I said was some other people he got into an argument with Haralabob about Las Vegas sports betting which you should never do because Haralabob is a genius. He's literally one of the most successful sports bettors of all time. An absolute brilliant person when it comes to sports betting and his algorithms and the mathematical way in which he approached it. Haralabob said some off, off, off! Color stuff about Vegas and how betting odds are created. And Haralabob just, Tim Kawakami said it. And Haralabob just railed into him. And then a couple guys at the bottom of the third were like, "Hey, Tim Kawakami, blocked me!" Oh man, he blocked me too. And I was like, "Hey, getting blocked by Tim Kawakami—that's a badge of honor." And then Tim Kawakami blocked me after that. I was blocked the next day. He's so insecure, which means, which means he went through all the comments and read everyone's comment. Oh my god. Right. He, he had so to get amazing. through him
1: to get to him. and it's almost like he was waiting. He's like looking for like who are the people that are going to bandwagon, you know, Haralabob correcting me. Who are the people that are going to be jumping on that to kind of poke poke at me for getting it wrong. You know, it's like he's looking for that and it's like, "Oh, there they are. Block block block." It's like the insecurity of him is he's like
0: off the rails insecure. It's really bad. It is really bad it is it's super lame super lame but yeah so so let's say he sits there so let me finish this this thought experiment we're back now in 1996 start of the or 95 it started the 95 preseason for the 95 96 season and Tim Kawakami releases an article 49ers recording practices explains dominance from 89 to 95 and we find that the last two Super Bowls they were recording the practices what how do you feel how how do you feel about the 49ers going into that that exact uh Scenario there. It's kind of the same scenario as we talked about now, but now it's flipped to the Niners. So now we, we, we people are, you know, on the Seahawks cast, you know, the, 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 the 12th cast, they're going, you know, uh, you know, what they should do is, uh, I'll put a little asterisk next to those last two, uh, 49ers, uh, uh, Super Bowl wins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's funny because that's what they sound like. <laughs> <laughs> we're the worst. We're so
0: horrible. We're so uh, trolling. We're funny. very trolling on today's podcast. This is a very trollish podcast. We trolled we trolled the Dodgers. We're trolling Tim. Well, actually, we haven't trolled the Dodgers. We've been actually pretty nice to them today. Uh, made fun of Tim Kawakami and that, that was definitely a troll of the Seahawks. So they go, <laughs> So uh yeah, an asterisk. Uh, uh, right, Bayman? Of course, Judy. Oh <laughs> So then, so, okay, so what, uh, what, what, where do you think it, how, how do you feel then? How do you feel if it, the Niners did it in football? I think it would suck. I, I,
1: I, I think eventually you would just like, over time, you would just be like, you know what, it happened, but you know, the win's a win and you know, you, over time I would probably find reasons and data to just say like, Hey, there were opportunities and you know outside of that you know that we still won so but then you could you could always i guess someone could always just the counter argument would be like yeah but the, the 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 reason why you won is because you had you had prior knowledge of the scheme going into it so you you didn't have to make any adjustments you didn't earn it you didn't earn those adjustments on your own you you stole those you stole those adjustments illegitimately You know, but I mean, I guess that's I'm trying to. This is a. Would you just
0: kind of brush it? It's a hard one. It's
1: a hard one to to hypothetically, you know, make up in your head without going through it. But I'm I'm guessing that I would eventually just try to make up. Like I would get over it. You know, it's like anything else. Like if it's a bad breakup out of a relationship, eventually you get over that. You're fuck. You're freaking pissed when it first happens. You know, or maybe you know if you're the one that dumps her because of whatever you know, it's an easier pill to swallow. You know, it's different when you're on the receiving end. So if you're on the giving end, I feel like it's, it might, it, it depends on the evidence. Like, cause Spygate, you know, it never came out and said that, Hey, Spygate was legitimately used in X, X, Y, and Z seasons.
0: Well, yeah, cause Roger Goodell threw away all the tapes.
1: Yeah. It was like, it's just weird, which to me, like if it was if, so if, shady, if, if that's what he did, then that means it was told. It totally had to do with the championship. How many championships? I don't know. Yeah. But it definitely had to do with at least one, at least one.
0: Mm-hmm. And and he was more about it, it. For him, it came more down to the integrity of what that championship symbolizes, and probably really had nothing to do with protecting the Patriots.
1: Yeah, it had more to do with the the, shield. the image of the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, it's a real tough one. It's a real tricky scenario. Um, I mean, honestly, how many... If you're an L.A. fan, this has been a tough decade for L.A. sports. <laughs> this has been rough. The Dodgers have, have been perennial World Series uh, door knockers and have lost two huge ones in, in devastating fashion. Didn't even get out of the first round here. Rams, Rams go all in and it works they get to the super bowl they only put up 3 points against a hobbled Tom Brady offense that sucks the lakers just sucked and they get lebron they think it they're going to come they're going to think they're coming for the throne with the warriors and then he gets hurt and he's gone and i still think the clippers are going to win this this uh this season and we'll talk more about that as we as we move into, into basketball but i mean man if they weren't such dicks to us about sports i would almost feel bad for them but i don't <laughs>
1: yeah i don't um i don't feel shit <laughs> i don't feel anything I, I i like i said like i said early in the beginning like my focus has just kind of been around houston and like how that is going to affect major league baseball because rules are going to come down like like the players are going to come away with nothing like not even a slap on the wrist but what is going to come out of it are some rule changes for sure rule changes that will be enforced at every stadium and i don't know if they're going i don't i doubt they hire like personnel to now monitor the game i know there are people that monitor there there's more pe- there's a bigger MLB general MLB presence during the tournament and more so at the World Series. And that will certainly be the case going forward. But as far as the regular season is concerned, they're just going to have some, you know, prohibitive rules that don't require, you know, an extra set of eyes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't think they're going to hire extra eyes to do it, but they are going to make some prohibitive rules that all teams are going to have to abide by. And then those rules will be periodically checked on you know and they'll they'll be they'll be um you know unscheduled just like PED tests are unscheduled something like
0: that you know what's really interesting what's really interesting is just the amount the amount of scandals that exist in baseball baseball has baseball is so dupli, so deeply rooted in cheating it's so deeply rooted in cheating, since its conception, since its conception, yeah, yeah. Since the it's biggest conception. ones
1: just being, you know, the steroid era and this, this sign stealing, the black socks.
0: The, remember the black Sox from from like around almost a hundred years ago. The the uh, Chicago Black Sox, the White Sox had done. Uh, they basically purposely coughed up the World Series um, uh, to to sway um, betting, and it was. I mean it. Baseball is just so deep in it's it's so deep in its cheating, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. People love to cheat mm-hmm. in baseball. It's like their jam. They live for that shit.
1: It's so weird. It's it's uh, you know, to me it's it's the only one of the three major sports that where successful players are still at a you know, Disadvantage, you know. The, at least, the statistically, it looks like the players are not performing well, even though they are. Like the also, like again, like if you're a good hitter, great hitters are three hundred and above. But and it and it's marked as that means it, you strike out six a,
0: to seven out of ten times.
1: Right, that's exactly my point. So it's written as a decimal, so it looks, you know, it looks. Impressive, ooh, three hundred, you know. But the truth is, it's thirty <laughs> percent. You know, that's that's what that equates to. It's I mean, and 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 all of the other hitters, they're they're all your average hitters are all below that. They're like two fifty, you know. You're you're going to a if you're hovering around two twenty, unless you have a f- amazing glove at shortstop, then you'll you'll get to stick around. Or if you happen to be a Awesome catcher, and you you work wonders facilitating pitches with your pitching staff. Those are the only two instances where you get to hang around, uh, or, or if or if there's just not enough depth to cover, to to make up for a shitty bat. But other than that, you know, like even the 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 Astros starting roster, Brian McCann, the leadoff hitter, who was a catcher, he was batting two forty one twenty four percent. You know, their best player, Jose Altuve, he was 35 percent rounded up he was 35 can, can i talk
0: you know? about so why like... altuve hurts me the most because it's about my height looks like he could be our cousin and he was latino broke my heart yeah broke my heart i love i love altuve primo primo altuve <laughs> uh, uh, primo, ¿qué pasó, primo? <laughs> ¿Qué pasó por qué? Hey, car-
1: Carlos, Carlos Beltran, too.
0: Qué, primo? Yeah, it was pretty funny. He's like
1: your—he's like the married—he's like the you know—he married in cousin. He's not a blood cousin.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, B- Beltran. Yeah, yes. Altuve looks like he could be literally our cousin, and I would totally believe it. <laughs> like, oh yeah. oh yeah, your cousin Jose. Oh, you don't know Jose Altuve your cousin, your primo. Qué pasó, por qué? And so, yeah. Anyways, any final thoughts on this? It was a kind of an interesting thought experiment to go through it if the Niners and the Giants were winners. That was where the winners and the recipient the the yeah, the recipients of the cheating, the uh not the recipients but the the benefactors, the benefactors of it. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like um
1: it would kind of it would take some of the thunder away, but I think over time like a, like a bad breakup, you would, it would just kind of fade out. Like, you know, does, does Bill Simmons ever show any remorse or, or, you know, regret or
0: offensive. He always, he, in fact, half the time he always says it was a lie and he always does it really snarkily and, and like jokingly where it sounds like he doesn't really believe himself, but he's just going to be a stubborn brat about it because it's his team.
1: Right. Because yeah, because if, because the truth of the matter is, you know, the fact that they did cheat and that one or more of those championships is illegitimate doesn't make, doesn't it it, that road leads to Tom Brady's not the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. And not, and, and and it's not to say that he, he didn't cheat as far as I understand. He didn't, except for deflategate. He sure as hell, it sure as hell seemed like he knew what he was doing there and just played, tried to play a deer in the headlights and it didn't, it came off so bad when that came out. But, that particular type of cheating, that small little nuance adjustment that they made to the ball, even though it did help assist in like, uh, reduce fumbles and gives you a better grip on the ball when throwing it, all those kinds of things that, that didn't necessarily equate to, you know, dominant dominance of wins. You know, they weren't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they were, I don't think they did that during the 16 O run. So because the, the flake, it came after the fact and, you know, Joe Montana came out and said, "Like you know that, that that does make it is a big deal, but you know don't don't know if it if it leads to a win per se." To me, filming someone else's practice that's that's way more well. That's that's on the level of stealing signs. Yeah, exactly. That's way more advantageous to the, the, that, that in terms of affecting the outcome of a game than adjusting you know the, the ball, the air in a ball. Yeah,
0: yeah. Anyways. Go to youtube.com slash the gold cast and uh, let us know what you think. Go on there. Go on there and uh, tell us your thoughts. What do you think about the sign stealing? What do you uh, do? I don't think the, the Astros should be stripped either. I forgot to say that. I don't think I ever said that in this pod. I don't think they should be stripped. I think there was enough legitimacy there. Definitely gave them an edge. No question. But no. No. Sorry. You Put an asterisk.
1: It went to it went to seven games and they were, and they were at home and they had for the first chat on the road. two. Yep. Yep, Dick. So, in other words, they could only cheat, you know, in the middle of the and series. And they lost
0: one of those games. Yep. So, hmm. yeah. Oh, man. Dodger fans will be cursing our names right now. Good.
1: Enough. Yeah. And the other thing I want to add to the comments, too, is uh, put the shoe on the other foot. You know, how would you guys feel? Same question we discussed here. How would you guys feel if the Niners or the Giants did that? You know, would it—or or the Warriors, for that matter? You know, would it delegitimize the championship, any of those championships for you? Or would you just kind of defend it, you know, take a Bill Simmons stance where you're just kind of in denial about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Let us know in the comments at youtube.com slash the So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Sisa First, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel. Screw the Dodgers. This is. This is the Gold Cast.